Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Good to see everybody. Welcome to 2015 at the Vineyard. Uh, My name is Tim, Tim Holt. I'm the senior pastor here. And uh, I want to ask if you are a first-time guest, uh, by the way, Thank you for coming out, and also, if you're just checking out church, whatever, stick with us over the next eight weeks. I just, just, you can do that. I mean, this is like 2015. You can do anything, right? I mean, it's early, so you can do anything. So commit to the next eight weeks, and just hang out with us here at the Vineyard, and let's just see. And at the end of eight weeks, if you're like, ah, yeah, it's not for me, then cool. We'll just hang out over this next series, because... We're going to, we're actually launch it next Sunday, but we're going to do a little prep work this morning. But we're launching, as you saw on the bumper, uh, a series called Transformed, where we're going to look at our spiritual life, our physical life, our mental life, emotional life, relational life, financial life, and vocational life, and what it takes to be healthy in all of those areas. And uh, I mean, what those, that covers about everything, huh? And here we are, 2015, so what a great time to do this. Our banner scripture is going to be Romans 12, 2, the first part of that verse. Uh, we're gonna, we want to memorize that over the next uh, two months. We want to get in a small group. We want to take advantage of uh, one another. How many of you have a journal? You picked up one of the journals. Do you see these? We have these outside. They're only 12 bucks. This, uh, this helps work through the series. This is from Saddleback Church. And uh, let me ask you this. Who in here has been following Jesus less than a year? This is like a new walk for you. Anybody here? Uh, do you guys have one of these? All right. We're here. At two, they're less than a year. Karen, would you carry those back? Just hold your hands up. These are our gifts to you. If you don't have one, we would wish you'd hop into a small group and uh, be a part of it. There you go. God bless you on your journey with Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Just, man, love it. So let's say this scripture together. It's going to be on the screens for us, and uh, this is our banner verse. Let's say it. You ready? Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let's pray. Father, thank you for some time together this morning. I ask for your help in my weakness, Lord, that you would come and uh, have your way. Holy Spirit, teach us, give us hope, uh, lead us as we were just singing. We invite you here, presence of God. We invite you to come search our hearts, do your great work in our lives. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you so much for saving us, for coming to us, for sacrificing yourself so that we could be reconciled to our Creator, to come to know you, Father God. So, Lord, here we are. So we look to you. Help us this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to give credit where credit is due right up front in this series, and that is that this whole campaign or plan comes, as I said, out of Saddleback Church, and that's Pastor Rick Warren. 
And so we're using his material and all. And I, I want to tell you this, though. I will never use somebody else's stories as my own. I've lived long enough. i got a lot of stories. <laughs> I don't need to steal anybody's. I won't use anybody else's stories. And, uh, but I want to give credit where credit is due, and that is that they put two years of work into this. And so if I can't better this any, I'm going to use it, right? I'll take it where I can get it for the best of us. So I want to give credit, though, and say this is Rick Warren. This is Saddleback's material, and we're using, as you can see, the journals and the notes and some of the fill-ins and such. Today is going to be an introduction into what we're going to need to do in order to get the most out of that seven-week series, and that is goals. We'll be talking about goals. This is a little different than I, uh, than I normally teach. This is uh, more text, a lot more scripture than I normally use. I camp out on the story usually, and we just kind of go into it and take it apart. We'll do that again next week as we jump into the whole uh, series. But today, you've got, we've got a lot to cover and a lot of text, but it's all in your handout. You have every bit of it there. There's a fill-in, and every scripture is there for you as well. So I would encourage you to, to track along with me this morning with that. Get your journal, take that, uh, and, and insert it into your journal, and, and let's go. So, uh, look, I grew up, a, this is no secret, I grew up a surfer here in uh, Myrtle Beach back in the 60s. And, you know, back in the mid-60s, um, we didn't have any surfer clothes. Like, they, you know, all you guys, you go to the beach, you, they buy them in the Midwest now. You know, all these surf manufacturers. But we didn't have any clothes, so we made up our own clothes. And I, I, I wore my uh, pajama tops to school. You know, when I, went to, when I went to high school, because it was cotton, the wind would blow through it. You didn't know where all this stuff comes from, did you? You, know, you guys are paying like $80 a shirt. It started with a, started with a pajama top. I mean, really, you know. And so I wore my pajama top and I wore my bedroom slippers because they were, you know, kick them off in class and, 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 and a pair of, like, Levi cords, you know, ratty Levi cords. And that was our, our clothes. And we thought we were nonconformist because uh, in, in the 60s it wasn't cool to be a surfer. And uh, I just thought, well, we're unique. We're nonconformist. But what I didn't see was that with every surfer magazine and with every surfing magazine, I was becoming more conformed to that look. You get that? You get sucked in. Everybody thinks, you know, oh, my group is unique. But really, when you look around you, hey, we look all the same. You know, we talk the same. You end up in this clique, this group. But the truth of the matter is each one of us are very unique. Every one of us have a particular thumbprint, don't we? We have a palm print that's unique to us. Even your eye, they can recognize, there's software that can recognize your eye. I mean, we are very, very unique. And uh, our voice, you know, our voice can be identified by certain software. For those of us from the South, I think that's incredible that anybody can recognize anything we say. And, uh, and you guys keep coming back. Um, But Rick Warren says that we all start out as originals, but we end up as copies of other people. And this is about us discovering, you know, who God has made us to be and what goals we want to have to get there. I have a coach. That's someone that asked me the right questions, and uh, she's helped me so much. And she asked me one day, she says, Tim, who gets to have the last say in who you are? I thought, man, what a question. Who gets the last say in who you are? Are you being conformed? 
or are you being transformed? Which one? Who gets the last say? And it all begins with goals, with our goals. Your first fill-in this morning is this. Goal setting is a spiritual responsibility. Goal setting is a spiritual responsibility. I know some of you do not get excited when you start thinking about goals. Here at the New Year especially, you probably thought, you know, I can make a list, but gosh. Or maybe you made a list on January the 1st, and by 2 o'clock that afternoon, you thought, I haven't done it, I quit. (laughs) I haven't read through the Bible, you know. I started, and I missed a second, and I'm here, you know, I'm on the third. So since I missed a second, I'm just going to eliminate that goal and not do it anymore. Some of us are excited about goals. Some of us are very good about goals, and we make lists, and we try to fulfill them. You know, Jesus had goals. When he launched his ministry over in Luke 4.18, when he was reading from the prophet Isaiah, he tells you his goals. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to what? Proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of the sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That was his goals. That's what he intended to do. And he did that for three and a half years. It didn't happen overnight, did it? Every person who ever walked with God, at least the ones I've read in the scripture, had goals. Jesus said, I will go here. He'd tell his disciples, we're going to go there. You're going to stay here, and I'm going over there to pray. There was a goal. Let's go to the other side of the lake. He wasn't being blown about by whatever. He had goals for his life. Now, look at Philippians 3, 12 through 15. It'll be on the screens, but it's in your handout as well. Paul says to this church, he says, I know that I am not what God wants me to be. I haven't reached what? that goal but and how many of us can say yeah I haven't reached that goal either I'm not what I really want to be but I keep moving toward it to make it mine because Christ made me and saved me for this I know that I haven't yet reached what my goal but there's one thing I always do forgetting the past And straining toward what is ahead, I keep my eyes focused on the goal so that I may one day win the prize that God has called me to receive through Christ in the life above. All of you who are spiritually mature should think this same way too. Notice that you might want to circle it. That goal, my goal, the goal. Uh, He said he hadn't reached that goal yet. He hadn't reached his personal, my goal yet, but his eyes were focused on the goal. And if you do not set some goals for your life, then you're just going to fall into default mode. You'll just be pushed around. Instead of having a design, you'll fall into a default. And uh, you know what? Every little thing that enters your life will bump you around. You'll be like a ship without a rudder, without a sail, without a motor, Whatever ship comes across your life hits you and bumps you that way. You ever felt like that in your life? You know, you're just kind of like a ship. You just cruise off. Somebody else has a problem or pressures you and you bump and you go this way. And then after a while, you cannot find yourself on the map. You don't know where you are. You're lost because you didn't have a map and you didn't have a goal and you didn't have plans and purpose to get to where you wanted to go. No goal means you abdicate control of your life. 
and you give it over to circumstances or other people, who gets the last say in who you are? Who gets to say what you will be, what your spiritual life will be like at the end of 2015? Who gets to say that? Who has the last say? No goals, no direction. And we'll never grow up in Christ like that. We'll just never become the followers, the mature believers that God wants us to be. Your second fill-in is this. Goals are statements of faith. Goals are statements of faith. They make a statement, a declaration about what you believe of God. Here's Here's an example, like maybe in your journal you write down. I believe, there's your faith, that God wants me to accomplish, and you can fill in the blank, such and such, by such and such a date. I believe that God wants me to accomplish such and such by such and such a time. Like Matthew 9, 29 says, according to your faith, will it be done to you? Hebrews eleven sixteen. without faith, it is impossible to please God. In Romans 14, 23, everything that does not come from faith is sin. <laughs> Boy, that's being kind of, I mean, God's kind of saying, look, you need some faith, you know, to really, to, to make your goals, you need to have faith. It needs to be something a little bigger than what you can accomplish on your own. Goals, no faith equals faithless, which means unfaithful. Ephesians Ephesians 3.20 says, God can do anything far more, some of you know this verse, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or dare in your wildest dreams. Can you dream? You used to dream. You used to dream about your life, didn't you? used to dream I would be here at a certain place in a certain time and I wanted to accomplish this and I wanted to accomplish that and some of you have quit dreaming. But along comes God and says, you know, I'm a dreamer. I dream huge dreams for my creation. And so whatever goal we have in faith kind of needs to fit into that category of a faith statement. I'm not going to get there without God. This church is the result of a dream of something I saw actually way back in 1973, 74. And, um, you know, we dreamed of having a place where people could come and relax but hear the word of God and and gather with other people who have a relationship with Jesus that is disarming in the way of not being heavy-handed but so hopeful that Christ brings uh, help to our lives and he creates in us a new life one that God had always dreamed for us and imagined for us and it started way back in the 70s with a group of surfers here at the beach and we have thought about it prayed about it dreamed about it tried to find our way to it for all of these years and then 18 years ago almost 18 years ago the church was birthed and this is so much bigger than anything that I could do on my own or Karen and I could do even together I mean, it takes God. You know, if you, what, what hangs us up with our dreams? One thing is that our dreams may be too small. If you have a dream that's going to be completed in like two weeks, <laughs> you know, if it's a dream that you can just walk out of here and go do, it's probably not big enough. How much faith does that take? Or it may be that we think it should be done too quickly. Like I said, we want to read through the Bible in 2015 when we got to January the 3rd and we missed a day and so we quit. 
We're like, I'm not going to do it now. We just, we think it should be accomplished, but it's going to take a year to do that. So you get back in it, you keep the goal, and you press in. Over these seven areas that we talk about health over the next uh, eight weeks, we're going to need to set goals, faith sides goals. It's going to take God for us to be able to see these goals come into our life to become reality for us. So what do you dream? What do you dream about your relationship with God? How would you like it to be? Dream. What do you want your relationship with your family to be like? Maybe there's some brokenness there like most of our families and there's some estrangement and there's something that's not working like it should and you're about to give up on that dream of there ever being any reconciliation for you ever to be able to get together at the holidays and enjoy it. Maybe you need the dream again. Maybe God can give you a dream beyond what you've already experienced. How about your financial health? Maybe you've just given up and you're like, I can never live... I don't, I'm never going to get out of debt. I'm never going to be able to get this heavy hand off of me. Maybe you need to dream again. Get a goal, a plan on your physical health. I'm going to get in better shape. I'm going to get in better shape. You know what we do? We wake up every morning. We look in the mirror and we go, I'm the same. And we you know, do it every day. And we don't understand why nothing's changed <laughs> because nothing's changed. Things don't change if things don't change. And so we need faith goals. Uh, I read this in the study. We overestimate what we can do in a year, and we underestimate what we can do in 10 years. 10 years from now, some of these goals that you set financially or whatever will be done, and you'll look back to this date, and you'll go, yeah, I remember when we set this date. I remember we knew it was going to take a little bit of time to do it, but look, it's done. I mean, when's the last time you went out on a limb in faith? When you said, boy, I'm dreaming this is a big dream, and uh, this limb, I'm going to step out and trust God for it. Do you have a dream big enough to put you out on the limb? I know this is a cliche, but the fruit's on the end of the limb. That's where it is. Have you ever painted yourself in a corner for God? (laughs) It's like, I believe God wants me to do this. This church, we started this church, we had $100 and I think $70 in the bank. That was all we had, our own money, period, when we started this church. That was being painted in a corner. (laughs) It's like, okay, if we don't, you know, if something doesn't happen, we could be climbing the walls here soon. Sometimes God wants you to go out on a limb because that fruit is very... I look at you guys here today and I go, wow, that was worth every bit of it. Every bit of it. When's the last time you went out on a limb in faith for your dreams? Painted yourself in a corner. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to do that. Number three, goals focus your energy. If we don't have specific goals, we will waste time. Goals focus my energy. Like I said, you get pushed around here and there. You're always paddling to get back on course. Somebody takes you off course here and there. It's like light. Light diffused like it is in here. We get, it, doesn't, it doesn't do much. It, you know, it illuminates the room, but we can't do a lot with this. But if you focus light, it turns into a laser. It can cut metal. It can heal cancer. When we get focused with our goals 
there's an energy about that focus. Then we begin to give ourselves to it. And the distractions won't pull us off course. Uh, my coach also told me one day, she says, Tim, you, you tend to try to tell everybody yes, don't you? Guilty. <laughs> Part of being a pastor sometimes, you know, and then you find out you can't keep up. You just can't. And she said, here's a way to respond. I can do this, but I can't do that. I can do this. Some of you need to learn this, just like me. I can do this, but I can't do that. That way you stay focused on what you're called to do, and your energies can go toward what God has uh, brought you and taught you to do and where you're headed. Um, There's so many distractions in life to pull us off. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9.26, I do not run without a goal. (laughs) That's kind of like... Like us, if we don't have a goal, we just take off down the street. If somebody says, where you're going, we'll go, I don't know. I'm just running. Yeah, I don't know where I'm going. And all that energy and, and all of that exuberance is just wasted instead of being focused on something that will bring a great reward to your life. 1 Corinthians 9.26, I do not run without a goal. I fight like a boxer who is hitting something, not just air. Not just air, flailing about. Fourthly, goals keep me going. Goals will keep you going. It's when we don't have any more goals that we just get, we become listless. And we're like, what's the purpose? I mean, if I go to work, I come home, I see a couple of people I know, I watch 4,000 movies and 16 series on Netflix, and I go to bed, I get up the next day, I do the same thing. And before you know it, 2015 is gone. And it, it's like you haven't, there's nothing happened. What keeps you going and keeps you invigorated and keeps you excited about life are goals. Things you want to see change and happen in your life. Goals are good. Jesus, it says, endured the cross because he looked forward to the goal and the glory that was set before him. He was wi- willing to be able to put up with the pain because of the payoff. Because there's usually some pain when you're going to get a payoff, right? It's going to cost you. And so goals keep us moving, keep us going. Um, there's a kind of a funny saying that we pastors have. And when we first started this church, um, I would have my pastor friends call me on Sunday afternoon on the way home. Pastors, you... you don't know this probably, but most pastors go home after church on Sundays totally depressed. A lot of them do. We used to jokingly call it the death march home. <laughs> My friends would call me and they'd go, Tim, Doug Dorman would be one who's a missionary here in this church. He would call me and go, okay, Tim, what's the verdict? You going to keep it around for another week? <laughs> is the church going to stick it around? You stick around? Don't give up. Don't give up because your body is so depleted of adrenaline And it's just, I can't describe to you what it feels like. You are totally wrung out emotionally and spiritually. And then you start thinking, I could have done this better, that better, this better. Matter of fact, I think we have a picture of Karen. Karen took a picture of me on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, There it is. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I just, you know, just don't don't feel good. Kind of worn out and don't don't mess with me. What kept me going? What keeps me going? What keeps you going? It's the goal. It's you. 
I look at it and I see you. I see you here. I see the people that have come to Christ over the last 17 years. I see the empty seats in here that I know somebody is meant to be in. That I know this church exists for people who aren't even here yet. They're out here. God still loves the Grand Strand. He still loves it and has a plan for it. Goals keep us all going. It's what gets you up in the morning. It moves you along during the daytime. Get some goals. And fifthly, goals build your character. Goals build your character. You don't see this many times, but as you're pressing through and moving through, God is building in you His character, His integrity. And, uh, you know, we're looking for internal change through this, not just habits. We just don't want a list of one, two, three, well, I did this. We want to be changed inside. Our character changed by the time we come out the other side of this series. Here's a... uh, Here's a scripture that's very encouraging. It says in Philippians 3.12, says, I keep striving. You keep striving toward the goal. You don't give up. It takes effort, energy, and commitment. You keep pushing on. And here's a sobering wake-up moment. The fact of the matter is there are some of you in this room that a year from now will be far away from God. You'll be far away from God. You may go through a divorce. You may go through some great loss. And because that commitment with God and because that relationship with God was not where it could have been, you will stray off because you were a casual Christian and you didn't take it seriously. And now life comes along and not just bumps you but punches you and you drift off. This... If you get close to God and you learn to walk with Him, pain is going to come, my friend. It will come to try to rob you of everything you have. That's one of the goals I have for you in this church is that we would grow up enough to handle anything that comes into our life and our faith only grows stronger. Not in denial. We'll cry on one another's shoulder. We'll hold one another up. But we'll look into one another's eyes and go, one day, one day God will wipe every tear from every single eye, and there will be no sickness ever again. Until that day, we will hold one another up, encourage one another, pray for one another to be healed, but we will continue to walk towards God. Sixthly, good goals will be rewarded. Good goals will be rewarded. It's rewarded two ways. Proverbs 11.27 says, If your goals are good... You will be respected. That's a payoff right now, isn't it? Those of you who have goals of, of a business or goals of your job position and people look at you and they go, man, you really worked it and look at you now. You've, uh, you've done a good job or maybe you create things or, or whatever and people look at you and give you respect for that. Then that's an immediate payoff and it's nice, but it's not the biggest payoff. It's not the biggest payoff because there's a huge payoff coming later on. In 1 Corinthians 9.25, we read, All athletes practice strict self-control. That is, they eat right, they sleep right, they work out, they exercise. We have some professional athletes in our church, and uh, I know we have one who's been to the Olympics twice. And I asked her one day, I said, Boy, what did it take to get to the Olympics? And wow, you know, it just took amazing discipline to, to get in that physical shape to be able to do that. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, like surfers and pro surfers. But, the, but that prize 
I got two boxes or more of trophies in my, you know, in my uh, garage that I can't give away to anybody. You know, I'm like, here, make some art out of it or something. Do something with it. Nobody wants it. It fades away. It doesn't mean a thing in the long run. Nobody's going to say 30 years from now, oh, look at those great trophies, man. No, it's not going to be that. It's your character that's being built. And then also there is a payday coming when eternity kicks in. We do it for an eternal prize. So Paul says, I run straight to the goal with purpose in every step. Every step, because one day we will stand before God and we will be rewarded for remaining faithful to him. That's why we run, and we run well, and we run fast. Now, how do we know if a goal is a good goal? This is your next fill-in. We ask this question, will it honor God? Does your goal honor God? As you look at your life in 2015, will the goals that you have honor God? Will it help you love him more, love others more, serve God, serve others more? Because God's not going to bless this uh, selfishness and the greediness. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, God paid a price for you, so use your body to honor God. And then in 10.31 of 1 Corinthians, he says, when you eat or drink or do anything, always do it to honor God. That is, anything you do can be done to honor God. So ask yourself as you write your goals down, is this goal going to honor God? 2 Corinthians 5.9 says, we make it our goal to please Him. <laughs> we want to please God with our goals. So will it honor God? And your second one is, is it motivated by love? Is it motivated by love? Not greed, not ego, Not some popularity contest so people can look at me and go, wow. Is it motivated by love? 1 Corinthians 16, 14, everything you do must be done with love. 1 Corinthians 14, 1, love must be your highest goal. Whatever happens, do it in love. When we don't operate out of love when we aren't motivated by love you know what happens we treat people like projects we will use them step over them do anything we can to get past you know i'm just going to use you to make my goal to get my goal that's not using love that's not being motivated by love the goal is to love people in the midst and that honors god in the midst of our journey will it honor god is it motivated by love And third, will it require depending on God? There goes back to that faith again. Will it require, your goal, will it require God stepping into your life and helping you do this? Or can you do it on your own? Ask yourself, will it require depending upon God? Hebrews 11, 16, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So you want a goal that (laughs) requires faith because that pleases God. You want to be able to depend upon Him. Romans 14, 23, everything that doesn't come from faith is sin. That means i got to have a goal that's sinful, even though it looks good to me, but I can do it. God wants a goal from us that requires his participation in it. So what is your goal? Now, what do we need 
to finish and we'll finish this up and we'll pray. The next feeling is this. I need God's spirit to empower me to do this. I can't do this on my own. It's not about willpower. Some of you are such type A personalities. You're going, man, I've had goals all my life and now, yeah, preacher, preach it. You know, and you, you, you're thinking, I can do this. I can do this. I'm a man's man. I'm a woman's woman. You know, I can do this. That's not what we're talking about. You know, we're talking about goals that need God's spirit to empower you to be able to pull this off, whatever your goals are. Zechariah 4, 6 says, You will not succeed by your own strength or your own power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Remember Jesus, the 120? I've told you guys this earlier in the uh, last year. I said he sent them to their room. Remember that? He told the 120, go to your room. And don't come out until what? The Holy Spirit comes. He had given them their goals, go into all the earth and preach the gospel, right? Lay hands on the sick, disciple. But then he goes, nah, go to your room. And don't come out until the Holy Spirit has come because they could not do it without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. You and I have to have the Holy Spirit active in our lives to be able to see these goals come to pass. Next fill in, I need God's Word to guide me. God's Spirit to empower me. God's Word to guide me. This book, this Bible... It tells us who Jesus is. It tells us of his dream for us as his disciples. It tells us about our families. It tells us how to go out into our communities, how to forgive. We need God's word. Joshua and Joshua 1.8 was about to go into the promised land. And that was his dream. That was his goal to take Israel and to park them there, to finally get them there. It says, keep this book, that is the Bible of the law, on your lips. Joshua, recite it, read it of the law on your lips. Recite it day and night. That is, memorize it, so that you may be carefully, so that you may be careful to follow all that is written in it. So that's the premise. But here it is. Here's the promise. Then you will successfully attain your goals. We must have the word, the Bible. That's why we have small groups. And last. We need God's people to support us. We need God's people to support us. We need God's spirit to empower us, God's word to guide us, and we need one another. We cannot do this alone. We can't. A crowd can never support us in our trying to achieve our goals. It has to be broken down into a smaller unit where we can talk and pray for one another when we struggle and we're having a hard time so we can talk, call one another up. I mean, I, if I could pay you, I would pay you to go to a small group. <laughs> Get in a small group. I think we have 30 right now. We have two uh, Spanish-speaking groups and 30 English-speaking groups that are available. And maybe you have got, maybe you've got two or three friends and you want to start a coffee fellowship or something in your home. Grab, this, grab the journal Go form a group. Let Pastor Rick or someone know in the small groups ministry and let them know I'm starting my group so that we can all get on the same page. We have a DVD that takes you through this. We're going to march through it together, but we will not reach our goals without one another. 
That's just the way we are. That's the way God designed us. We were not meant to do life alone, and we're not meant to reach our goals alone. We aren't. This is a community effort. That's why every small group in our church is now focused on this. All of them. From here to our small groups, we're going to focus on change. And I am so excited. So you guys ready for 2015? Are you ready for it? You got some goals? You got some good goals? Let's stand. I'm going to pray. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website, www.seacoastvineyard.com.